Jenga, one of my favorite things about this podcast that we've been doing forever that we do actively spoil comics on is I love keeping people on their toes. 90 seconds, go! Holy moly, I read the Santos Sisters number one, second printing. It's basically like an Archie comics book, but PG-13. Gosh, I just said all that. I don't know if that stuff's going to get in there. It was pretty good. I think people should read it. <laughs> I also read... Um, 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 Jesus, you really got me, buddy. I really got you there. <laughs> I read uh, Last Flight Out, number six. It did not end how I thought it was going to end. I've liked that series the whole time, even though it's mostly just talking heads and emotions, and the sci-fi parts are pretty much glossed over. Uh, really good book. I would recommend the trade paperback to people. I finished Daisy. I don't know what the fuck happened in that. <laughs> like, start to finish. I don't know. It got real religious at some point, and I liked it. Uh, I liked every issue, but I didn't like understand what i was reading and uh i want to talk a little bit about how much i liked rain number four i think that's probably every single issue has been probably the one of the best comics that i read each week and this one has a, a pretty pretty dark turn that that surprised me um and kind of a happy ending but it is not the <laughs> ending i think it's uh i think that's just a, a little way station between horrible things that are going to happen to all these people that we really like um other than that, man, Human Remains is still great and weird. Didn't care much about a town called Terror. Vanity, uh, I'm conflicted. Well done, Django. Well done. I thought it would be easy uh, to give Andrew an easy intro for the podcast on that one. Oh, sorry. Do we do podcasts? Welcome to a perfect. Welcome to. Hey, well, no, we can. <laughs> we can cut Hello. things out anywhere at this point. Just, that'll just be edited right into that. That is our intro. I bet. Snow crotch. Hey, Django. Snow crotch. Yeah. I had a question about that uh, Switchblade Sisters or whatever the heck Santos. it was called. Santos Sisters. Um, was it? Was there like a, a like Western style white furry character in there? It was Abominable Stoban. Yeah, there was a there was a character uh, named the Snow Scratch, and he's like the Sasquatch Abominable Snowman in the middle of the in the middle of the place that they went. And it turns out that it's just the guy who would rather be smoking cigarettes than doing his job. He's been trying to scare people away from the <laughs> snow lodge. He's yeah, it's wow. It's really he's he's been scaring people off dressed as a giant snow penis, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for these meddling girls. <laughs> I like that. A giant, it's, a giant snow penis. So you could say he's he's like the Wendico. Oh, <laughs> man, we didn't even need me to get an intro ready for Andrew. Although I guess we required the, the thing. He's he's pretty big for being in the snow, boys. Uh, you got you got scores for that. I don't know where Andrew's going to put your scores for your buckshot. Heavens to Murgatroyd. That would be a really uh, San, long intro Santa's if sisters. it was at the end of the intro. <laughs> Santos sisters, I'm going to give a seven and a half. Uh, Rain, I'm going to give uh, nine and a half. Daisy gets a seven and a half. Last Flight Out gets a seven and a half. Uh, Vanity, I guess six and a half. I don't think I liked it, and I 
don't know if it felt like a creep watching me read it. I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys <laughs> Do you, read it or you, not. But are I'm, you suggesting you think someone was creeping I, there and watching you read it? It felt like a dude getting off on telling a story from a very young girl's perspective to me. Oh, and I could huh. be reading into it. It, it just, I, I couldn't quite tell. It made me uncomfortable. It's a comic book, Django. I hope you're reading into it. Ah, Town Called Terror, <laughs> I'm going to give a six. And Human Remains, I'm going to give an eight. And gosh, I think that's everything I said I read. Um. All right, listen. Let's get down to brass tacks. Welcome hey, to a per- <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's well, listen, it. welcome. Welcome to the chaos. Oh, oh, look, it's Django. It's Django making fart noises. <laughs> Sorry, that actually really hurt my neck to do, so I'm going to retire that. I think that's a good idea. Uh, well, do the... <laughs> I think that's a good idea. <laughs> comics Place presents a podcast. It's about comics. I'm Django. I'm, I'm Robert Prince. Yeah. Oh, that's Prince. Did you say that bastard? Yep. <laughs> and we're joined by Will Elmer. Oh, hey everyone. Um, Will Elmer, who recently <laughs> passed the bar exam and is ready to be a lawyer. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Aren't you about cool. to start? Good, because Roman's going to need all of the defense attorneys yes. on his side that he can get. Yes. Yeah, I've just, I've just been champing up the bit here, Will, to get you. I, get you I on got you. Yeah. Champing left and right. I just need you to sign some 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 waivers first, and then I got and, you. And okay. with Roman some NDAs. <laughs> Uh, like waiver wire stuff are you guys talking oh it's football, football again and basketball yeah. hey Django great intro dude this is Thanks, a great bud. podcast that we do uh where we talk about the comics that come into the oh, comic shop that we, we don't have engage to... in a variety of tangents either related to or unrelated to the comings and goings of our life that's a great bit right we don't want to get rid of that's that a good part. Intro. yeah that's good I mean that last that's little good. bit there the coming that's, that's classic it's classic it makes it's me feel all warm and fuzzy inside when I hear it the what very first intro for our podcast that we wrote that I remember writing in my notes app um i wrote while i was pooping and then i texted that note to Django, nice. and he was like that's yeah sure that's fine that's all we need but i remember exactly where i was at the old house um we're gonna be so, talking about some c- comics this week but before we get into the whole mess of mess of palooza but i just want to talk about the comics we're gonna talk about Django. is that cool does that does that well, unreal yeah, I, just, you? I just wanted to say this is season four season five episode three I, I feel like I should know the episode three. number. I think, I think it is episode three. Season on my notes here, I, on my notes, I have episode nine slash three slash 266. It is episode well, 266 go. legacy numbering. And I do think it's uh, number three. And we're going to be talking about Batman Catwoman number 11, Flashpoint Beyond, Image Anthology number one, Nightmare Country number one, X-Men 92 number one, and Superman Son of Kal-El number 10. That's almost all DC comics. So for all of our Marvel readers out there, know that we love you. I love you. I love reading your Marvel comics, but there just weren't as many of them this dang week. But before we get into all of that Mesopalooza, as we've claimed it, um, we've got the man, the myth, the legend himself here. Well, well, Wellmer uh, here to do his magic. A crazy thing just happened, which is that I looked to the left of Django and there's sort of like a yellow light. And I legitimately thought it was the look of like that yellow smoke in a door and a boss and Elden Ring. Like before you go into it, <laughs> it's been a day of me playing Elden Ring and dying a lot in the game, not in real life. Although I feel, ladies and gentlemen, I have a really messed up neck. So I'm just going to sort of turn my torso for the rest of the night. William, take it away. Hey, happy episode 266. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you guys for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have uh, 
nice little Brubaker week here. Oh. And um, I can even talk about those Brubaker books here in a second. Oh, but, William. But um, my question is uh, along uh, Mr. Ed Brubaker. Uh, he is a what I would call a master class writer in the crime noir genre. Um, just a great all, all around comics writer. Um, but my question, it's a two part question. No buckshot, go. Oh, God. Uh, how unexpected. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to talk about two of my most antip- anticipated books of the year that came out this week. Uh, the Ghost in You, Reckless Book Number Four. We're reading it for our book club right now. Shameless yeah. plug. Uh, Monday after next, we'll be talking about it. I can't remember the day, but you can send an email to the shop. These books are fucking amazing. Mm. Uh, every single one of them is a 10 out of 10. Like Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and then Jacob Phillips does all the coloring on it. And every single piece of it is amazing. I opened this book last night to just peek at it to read the cold open and I accidentally read the whole thing and it's incredible. There's a page turn in this book. They gave me absolute chills um, down my spine. It's outstanding and either join us for the book club or just read these books because they're literally perfect crime noir books. And then this giant beast of a Gotham Central omnibus. I read this uh, not too long ago, not in the omnibus form uh, because a wonderful friend of mine loaned me a bunch of the trades. I haven't been able to read the last trade because we didn't know it existed. But this book, if you love crime noir, if you love Batman, if you just love amazing books, this is a book that everybody should absolutely read. It's freaking phenomenal. Ed Brubaker, Greg Rucka, Michael Lark. Um, it's just a perfect book. You don't have to love Batman to love it. You don't have to love crime noir to love it, but you just have to love amazing stories. I thought you were going to say you just have to love America. And you do have to love Gotham okay. and America. <laughs> so you well, you have Brubaker. excellent taste in comic book writers. Yeah, well yeah. done. Curated very, very well. I will... I, if it's not this coming Monday and it's the following Monday, then I like to think I'll be at that uh, reckless book for book club because I do like that as a thing that makes me read a book. And I don't know when I'd read it otherwise. So good. Good on you. Good plug. Monday, I'll be there. Monday the 25th, right? Monday the 25th. So Is we that actually, an open invitation? It's well, an open invitation. Uh, you, would, you don't have to read all of the uh, books they do or even help any because of it if you don't want to now you can just come in and just listen to a bunch of nerds talk about how amazing they think this book is um this has been an ongoing series read for us so we've read the three leading up to it each one of them stands alone on its own but it is a lot stronger having read it probably this one the has the most strength if you've read at least any of the previous ones or even the one before it um they're a pretty fast read you know you can read it in an hour or so and it's a uh it's just so freaking good and it's become like he's just kind of fallen in love with these characters and it's just awesome to see a guy at the top absolute top of his craft um just doing something that he absolutely loves with like kind of no constraints because he just is mm-hmm. putting these out as a trade paperback and they're not having to come out in issues you know, I love New Bern a lot. I know you guys love it too, but I dropped it as issues because I just want to read it like yeah. this. Um, they're so, also so well bound. Like they're just nice, affordable hardcovers that they make it easy to get that autograph book plate for. Like yeah, yeah we've got like if 10 you, of those left. If you yeah. get them from the comics place, I've got these awesome uh, signed book plates in. Um, I've plug. fallen in love with Ed Brubaker in the last year and a half, two years. I think Pulp was the first book I bought on a just on a limb when it came out. And it's... He's my second favorite writer, I think I would say now. So on that note, that's my my question for you guys is what is my two part question? What is 
your favorite Ed Brubaker book that is not a crime noir book. So anything else that he did besides <clears throat> criminal and reckless and even Gotham Central. And then let's what be is able your... to throw his daredevil in since it's superhero. Go for it. Okay. And then second part, what is your favorite non Ed Brubaker crime noir book? Mm -hmm. Ooh, these are good questions. Andrew, get ready for a good pause because we're going to have to think about this one. I can't think of a ton of Ed Brubaker books that I've read that aren't crime or crime adjacent, but I would, I would say that I really, really liked his Captain America run. Uh, I thought that was really well done and, and had a, had a good, I mean, it, it still has kind of that spy action thriller feel to it. That's pretty crime adjacent, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, but that's, that's probably my, my pick. And he introduced the winter soldier in that storyline, which then they adapted mm -hmm. into like the winter soldier movie, yeah, uh, and so on and so forth too. So yeah, he shot Captain America in the head. I hope that I hope that guy's all right. I've got mine, but it's not super challenging because I am going to eat Django's. His Captain America one, I forget that's him at times. But I was gonna maybe say Daredevil, um, but I actually pretty massively feel like the Bendis one is better, and the Brubaker one just kind of like followed tonally from what Bendis had done. Mm. Um, I I will say Captain America. Um, and then extra shouts out for Killer Be Killed. I know that's crime noir, but kind of, kind of not. And then I also did like his uh, X Men run as well. Um, and then, oh, and then also his his Catwoman with Darwin Cook. Darwin oh, Cook yeah. and Catwoman. Ooh, good call. Um, good call. And then so Roman... I just took all of the answers that Roman could have took. So I've left <laughs> nothing for him because I'm a selfish boy. Yeah, dang. Um, well, I'm going to have to ape you guys. And yeah, I was going to say Captain America. And um, it's not very original, but Sin City. Ooh, the best noir. That's, not, that's a good one. That's for a good my one. Non, non Baker crime book. <clears throat> okay, yeah. okay. I mean, well, for... I'm going to, sorry, please. Jay, oh, no, please. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say uh, from recency bias in my memory, I, I'll, I'm going to throw out Eduardo Risso and Brian Azzarello's five issue Batman story, Broken City. And then mm -hmm. also their Flashpoint two issue or three issue thing, which is amazing. And just from like rereading Flashpoint Beyond this week and being absolutely astounded by how great that art is and that story is. But the Azzarello one is a little bit like, sorry, the Broken City is a little bit more like crime detective-y, maybe not noir um but you know oh wait no sorry i just listed brubaker things didn't i <laughs> those are both sorry a noir thing that's not brubaker wait what i mean so you got stray bullets you could say white out you could oh sorry say... that was azarello not brubaker sorry never mind say... yeah those were azarello azarello yeah. and brubaker just kind of mix in my head parker would be my absolute favorite Thank yeah you. I parker that. that's, that's um i would i you, i could argue that year one i don't mm -hmm. know if i already said scalped Scalped uh, is the best. Will, did you hear that plug <clears throat> for the fact that we got a full set of Scalped in the, I, the I, shop? I did. And if my sister wasn't sending me like a full set of Scalped okay. from uh, Southern California right now, then I, I would have. <laughs> literally like Will needs to get that set of Scalped I could, because I, it's you know, the best you, When you ever. said it on the podcast, I thought I heard like Will. Like, yeah, yeah, like you, you kind of just did, did some did. subliminal you advertising did. in there. You did. Um, it's the yeah. best. It's the best comic story ever. The, the, the only other one that I think we didn't mention that deserves at least an honorable mention would be um, Private Eye. Sure, Brian K. Vaughn. By Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. It's, that's I'll a, throw a out, book. even though the book is uh, is still ongoing, I, in my opinion, it's already entered that uh, territory. Is it Human Target? It's Human Target. Yeah. Oh, that Texas good blood, one. too. Okay, where are oh, we getting yeah. a lot of them? Yeah. I don't... Hard Boiled? Oh, Daryl. Nice one. <laughs> I, my my secret motive behind this was so that I just had a shopping list. 
<laughs> You're welcome. Dude, uh, the second Martini edition of Parker, which I think is maybe some of the finest bindings of a book to be ever created. The second one, which has long been overdue for like eight years, nine mm-hmm. years now, is uh, finally been solicited. And we finally just placed the orders for it. But with a new part- story in there too, right? Yeah, but I think Fraction... Yeah, Fraction did something because Darwin passed away. So, anywho, that's a long Mm. preamble to a podcast that we will make shorter than normal because of the long preamble. So, just hang out with us. You can try. (laughs) Oh, dude, even voices, even voices, man. Um, Or neck. Stupid neck. Hasn't hurt this bad since I broke it. Um, Batman Catwoman number 11. We're going to hang out with Will for one more Mm. book discussion here because he's a Tom King fan, if nothing else, and a lawyer and a defense attorney. I'm a tomboy, but I'll be a Kingsman too. Oh, <laughs> see, you can script everything out ahead of time, Will, but that would just mean you're going to miss gems like that. It's your ability to roll with the punches that makes makes you such a gem. Um, okay, everyone. Batman, Catwoman, Tom King, uh, Clayman, Timomori, Chapter 11 of 12, penultimate issue. I read it quickly the first day. Actually, I grabbed it. They came in early. I, I read it like a week ago yesterday. <laughs> Me too. And then... <laughs> And then promptly, like several days went by and Django was like, what do you think happened at the end of that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I actually almost don't remember already. And he was like, I think she killed herself. And I was like, no way. And I was like, wait, what? And I looked at it and he was 100% correct. Yeah. He killed her. She killed herself. Um, and then today I spent, I, I reread every panel of this that has the Joker from like that, that specific time frame from the, mm-hmm. the. Andrea Beaumont stuff. I read it probably four times. Like on the third time, I got a new thing out of it I hadn't gotten. Um, but it's a puzzle wrapped in a riddle shrouded by an enigma put inside the Phantasm's cloak. And I love it. But I'm curious uh, what what the mystery, how everyone feels about this. Will, can you crack the code of the mystery of what's going on in this issue? Just explain the Phantasm and this baby, I guess. Whose baby? Is it the, is it, is the, I mean, the Joker tries to say it's his baby, right? And she says that also. Are we tying into the three Jokers revelation that Batman hid the Joker's ex-lady and baby hundreds of miles away from Gotham in a snowy place? Do you remember at the end of that? But yeah, then, I do. But, that but in an- that moment, the child, sorry, yeah, the child had aged, so it, yeah. Oh. But that wasn't Andrea Beaumont, right? No. Do we know who that was? Well, well, no, I don't I don't think she biologically is related to the child. I think that she no. went, it was I think she thinks it was Joker's child. He killed the mother, mm-hmm. and then she got there after he had killed the mother, was about to kill the baby. And then instead of killing him, he was gonna kill the child. She saved the child, mm-hmm. and it was the Joker's child, and then she raised it. And then that child, when it got older, thought Batman was its father based on some letters that it had found. And it went looking for Batman. And then the Joker got wind of it and and maybe killed it or something. It almost hey. seems like we need to wait for issue 12 to find out. I want to try and solve it right now, is. everyone. <laughs> I Yeah, I I like Tom King a lot. I put a lot of trust in him. But uh, this, this book is, it's messy in a few ways that I don't really like and maybe it's on purpose and it's just not to my tastes but uh i'm having a hard time with this book so so the reason why i wanted to talk to you guys about this book uh, before i dipped out was i was actually finally Mm -hmm. catching up with the podcast i think earlier today or yesterday and i was listening to you guys talk about killing time last week and how much you appreciated the tom king listen to your feedback of putting in the (laughs) timestamps and i really like the timestamps in in killing time and i think it works really well for the type of like pacing of the story and the way it is and i 
I feel like all the criticism that that you guys like there's the different criticisms about the book um i generally kind of agreed with some of the things i'm feeling a bit lost at times and the art change for a couple of book issues with liam sharp just really kind of threw things off for me a bit and mm -hmm. made it feel like it's weird kind of up and down but much like a lot of tom king batman stuff in the past i felt like this issue clicked for me to a certain degree with the time jumps um, we know that Tom King has always done, like in his Batman run, he's always kind of relied on some of the repetition stuff happening in different times and places and different events. He's kind of always relied on this repetition method. And I felt like while I was reading this, it suddenly clicked in my brain that like all of these different time jumps that are kind of happening are all, they're just reflections of the same type of thing that happened. So it doesn't even necessarily matter that we're jumping back and forth in time my interpretation was that these similar events or similar words are being said in this Tom King kind of repetition style throughout these three different timeline of events. So you could continue to read it and imagine that this scenario, maybe it's not the exact words, but this scenario that's playing out is happening in a similar way in two or three different timelines at the same time. Yep. So that's kind of what clicked into my head in the book <clears> and made it go like, oh, I <clears> get it now. Yeah, I, I need to reread this with that perspective in mind. I love I love that lens of storytelling. Um, and I think that Django and Will and I both, or all three of us saw everything everywhere all at once. And one of the things I love so much about that book or that movie was one of my favorite things about fiction in general, which is the idea of removing the genre or the time frame from like a story structure and really on a meta level analyze that like, you can have those conversations in any genre at any time in any different way. And you can still kind of like, it's all wrapping for the same kind of thing that's going on, the same story that's being told. And like in the D and D stories I've written and stuff, that's something I always try and incorporate is like, choose your own genre for the one narrative structure that those things kind of go upon. Um, and I think that Tom King does that. I think this book is doing that. But I also think that it's kind of, I do think that there's a linear nature to it where he is hiding some aspects of important parts from the past that are important to future events are referenced in different ways. Like there, there are, there are like mm -hmm. three timelines that I don't think are simply all kind of doing the same things in different ways, but are like, there's going to be some important stuff for the early timeline in this for how it plays out in the furthest future timeline. Um, and I think that maybe even some of those things have been like the, the answer to this baby question we're posing, I, I, I think is maybe in the first two issues. Like I remember like finding, like hearing about like Andrea doing stuff with the baby and like not knowing what was going on with that early on. Um, and in the Liam Sharp issues too. Yes. Yeah, so I want to, that's where the Joker, uh, uh, like holds the family hostage. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that it's but... helped that this book has taken so long because they think when it yeah. originally came out and it was supposed to be the 12 or 13 issues, <clears throat> the first issue came out in like a November and it mm -hmm. was supposed to wrap at Christmas. So this should have been wrapped in December and we're now in April yeah. still waiting on issue 12 right in you know may or june whenever it happens to come i'm so, curious 
Roman, what do you think of this book? Is this all just gobbledygook time frame jumping? Do you feel comfortable in it, or do you feel like it's giving you a narrative that is worth following? What, what do you What are you thinking? I mean, I I love things that make me work, so I actually really loved that I had to reread a scene that I had to kind of parse together four times. But where do you fall, um, old spirit of the sea? Oh, I'm oh I'm lost, um, <laughs> and I and I've given up on trying to solve the mystery i'm just like okay i'm along for the ride and yeah okay she's going to that house in the woods in in three jokers so it's all connected all right it kind of <laughs> so seems you're just, like that but also yeah you're just kind of it, waiting it, for the uh for those it, those last few hardy boys pages yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think it i think it is the same house in the wood i mean it's as far as I remember, it looks the same, the tree, the way the trees are around it and everything. And like Bruce had to drive forever to get to it. The only thing is that yeah. when Bruce went and looked through the window or Dick or whoever it was, um, the child was older than it is here because it would have been a baby in this, whereas it was a child, like a, a preteen in the other one or like a adolescent. So, but he also could just be, this is black label. That was black label. He could just be borrowing on that story. Well, we don't know where the baby went either. We don't know where the baby went. Classic Django statement. <laughs> like if I had a dollar yeah. for every time that Django <laughs> oh. or father of three was like, where'd the baby go? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I get all the the complaints and I, I hope that the, the concession or the, 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 feeling that I have put out throughout all of our conversations is that like, I've, I've loved it. I love the, I totally echo what Will said. I love the timestamps and killing time do not need them here. I love the almost ethereal dreamlike way that all of these things blend into one another. And I think that it's clearly intentional. So I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and who I, you, yeah. Who, who do you think at the very end, who do you think, I mean, I was surprised that Andrea kills herself, but who do you think yells out? No. Batman. Good question. Yeah. Probably Batman because Batman. we know that that scene is Batman, Phantasm, and Catwoman all on a roof, and the yeah. word no is yelled, and it seems like it's not coming from Catwoman, so the only remainder would be... Yeah, okay. Those Batman. letters definitely look like a Batman voice. And an O. <laughs> I can't wait for this book to be an absolute edition that I can have. And Although Cat they haven't Woman's made this miracle yet, so... So cold on that last panel. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah, Andrea, duh, you killed yourself, you guilty turd. Well, you know, yeah. she, she, everybody's always happy to get rid of an ex. So, yeah, you're right. You're I, right. I do love the little reference to uh, yep. the the date night arc there from on the earlier on in his the... Batman run when he dressed up as Superman. Yeah, super good. Oh uh, well, I gave it a nine. What do you guys all give it? I give it a nine. Also, I really like it a lot. I still do feel a little bit lost in just terms of like how it's going to all wrap up, but I just have a ton of faith that. Even if I read issue 12 and I'm still like, I still need to, I feel like I know I can reread it and it'll all just kind of start to click into place mm -hmm. in a really satisfying way, at least for me. So, yeah. Nine. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight and I'm going to reserve the right to uh, give the whole series either a five or a 10, depending on what, uh, what the fuck. I might have to read the whole thing again. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Romeo? Yeah, I'm going to have to read the whole thing all again. I can't I, wait I give it an 8.5. Nice. Um, yeah, you guys remember when Strange Adventures was on issue 11 of 12 and we're all like, the, the revelation happened and we're all like, 
I still think I need it to wrap up in an issue. And it was like, <laughs> nope, it was it was all there in 11. We just like, okay, you don't, we you don't just even didn't know, believe him. You don't even know when the truth <laughs> of a Tom King revelation happens. So, um, well, Will, thank you as always for hanging out and listening to the podcast and writing us Wellmer mail to pose questions to get us in. Like you're the perfect lubrication device. If I could buy you to have in every bathroom of my house, I would. I, you I know, every every thing and everyone has a price. So, yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and and some weeks all I could do is text you a question that I can barely get out. And other weeks I could just show up and hang out and uh, throw my question at you uh, in person. So we we like it. Ooh, a cat just went into your room. No, God. that's my that's my dog. He's got I a hair. Was a kid. He looks kind of like a giant rat now that he's got his, all his hair shaved out. I just like his tail Where a little. I get see. We'll just, as the proud owner of a new Simpsons arcade game, who's going to put together. So, well, Will, thank you very much for hanging out. And we will see you, if not visually and verbally, then through an email next week for 267. We adore you. Thank you. Thanks, gents. Catch you on the Farewell. flip side. Farewell. I will. So nice to talk to Will Elmer Esquire every once in a while. Well, is that is Esquire what it means when you're a lawyer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, William just, Elmer Esquire. I, I'm just so thrilled to have him on retainer. Yeah, well, you've needed it. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Your oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucked up. I, I've, got a, I've got a whole team of lawyers. Yeah. And <laughs> I just hope they don't learn one day that we're not going to be able to pay them. <laughs> Edit that part out, Andrew. They don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, okay everybody. Let's talk about Flashpoint Beyond number zero. What is Ooh. the purpose of a zero issue? I don't really know. Um, but they it's exist. It's beyond number zero? What? Yeah, Flashpoint Beyond Number Zero, which I guess so is number just one. number one. Yeah, <laughs> this is written by Jeff Johns, Eduardo Rousseau, and some colorists and letterers um, who did <laughs> important parts of this. I'm curious what the two of you thought about this book that felt unrelated to the button and Flashpoint and also intricately tied to both of those things with BB, one of the greatest superhero writers of all time and one of the greatest artists currently working. It feels huge to me. Like the, the stuff that Batman's looking at on the chalkboard in the very beginning. And there's some stuff in the end, like we get more reveals on, uh, on some things that, that he's trying to solve, like the divine continuum with D and C mm-hmm. circled on the second to last page, talking about the omniverse and hyper time and stuff. And like, that's the, the bread in this Thomas Wayne Batman story where like Thomas Wayne wakes up still in the Flashpoint universe after thinking that um the Flash was it Barry at the time mm-hmm. yeah thinking that Barry had run away and let his whole world die like he wakes up in a bar and and realizes that for some reason his universe still exists and I really like that sort of conceit um I don't know why he would be super confused after having seen these guys in the button but uh, I'm sure a reread would answer those questions for me. Um, maybe maybe the the button, did they intercept the Flashpoint universe before Barry ran away and destroyed it? Like Flashpoint happened and then became the new 52 and then Rebirth happened. Well, and... but it didn't become the new 52 because Thomas Wayne wasn't Batman in the new 52. Like he returned back to the new 52, right? I think that what they say here is that Eobard, like you said, Edward Thawne intercepted him at the point when after the button, or I I think he intercepted him after um, all of the Tom King Batman stuff because he remembers all of that here, but he should have just stopped existing. Right. And he's and confused he about why he's Because still now there. he went back to a reality that was supposed to be dead and gone. So he feels like his plan failed. Roman, what did you think with this kind of like deeply DC continuity thing? 
in the classic Jeff Johns fashion. I I I, I like it. I mean, I'm con- I'm confused because I'm mixing it up. I can't remember now. Most recently, we saw Thomas Wayne Flashpoint Batman in um, Tom King's Batman. Oh, was he in there too? Well, well he oh, was oh all- sorry, he-, he was in the Joshua Williamson Justice League Incarnate thing. Yeah, you're in, right. In which he got that. killed, I think. Yep, and and that's but- why you're right. Because this, he keeps mentioning Darkseid, and I could not remember yeah. what he was talking about Darkseid, but you're absolutely right. In Justice League Incarnate, he was one of the main characters. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know where this fits after that, if he got, because he got killed in there. I think this has got to be immediately here. after. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. he died and then went back to this reality. Oh, yeah. comics, so then, man. So then, Roman, I guess <laughs> what I'm curious work. about the most is, um, what does that little final page revelation mean to you with this kid in a raccoon hat? You're our oh, only hope, Roman. <laughs> oh, just I I don't remember that kid specifically, but he's part of Rip Hunter's um Time Masters team. So he, which, he is one of the Time Masters team people. Corky Baxter. Apparently, I don't remember if he's shown up before or if he's this is his introduction. But okay, we so see this it. isn't because he could also I wonder because one thing that occurred to me is like oh, maybe he's Cor- that kid that gets raised here. Cor- this kid, this, this is Corky. He is the baby grown up from um Batman Catwoman. I don't, I can't, I think he's fucking with us. Jeff. Yeah, I'm just fucking with okay. you. <laughs> I was like, I don't think so, but I know better than to say no to Roman. But, so, um, but we do see somewhere in this issue a picture, I think, of Rip Hunter and the Time Masters. And yeah, the kid yeah, the, is okay. one of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's like the first page. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's on the first page. Oh, they yeah, have Superman's yeah. cape hanging behind them. Um, My fear is that. Eduardo Riso is not going to draw any more of this. And I think that that is true. I do, not, I do not think that he is the ongoing artist. I think that this is the zero issue and then other things are going to happen. Um, that's a dirty fucking trick if that's I true. Don't quote <laughs> yeah. me, but I believe I believe that's what I know. Because um, I think that this is one of the coolest and most beautiful issues that I've read in a while. I loved it. And I do think it's very rooted in some kind of like, I think you could be like, bullshit, but it's all the continuity makes sense just beyond my grasp like it, it feels like okay if i just reread flashpoint or if i just reread or like oh yeah just league incarnate and like, justice league incarnate and <laughs> but i think that that's what jeff johns does well like yeah. i i think yeah. that he loves dc comics and i think he writes comics i think he's one of the five best writers of kind of comics coming out right now and made me think an interesting thing in this issue i can't remember if it was Actually, it was in the image 30th anniversary. So I'll save that actually for the next issue because he did a story in there. But um, yeah, I think he's fantastic. I thought this was fantastic and it made me really excited. But the only bummer deal is I just don't know what Zer- the future of this miniseries is. Zermanico is doing yeah. it. And it looks like it's uh, Thomas Wayne with the um, the Trident from Bro Aquaman. And so I'm bummed because I didn't really like the Flashpoint universe. It was interesting but not it was very real it was very real world earth it was like atlantis mm-hmm. and wonder woman's like themiscira i feel like we're having a war but there was like nuclear bombs and it was like a political war for the geography of the country between these and i just didn't the yeah, aquaman and wonder woman fighting and i just i didn't like that story very much so to root itself in that is not super interesting to me and like we've got this assassin and maybe they're working for you know wonder or aquaman or whatever but like when Batman accidentally kills Barry Allen, like that was awesome, you yeah. know, in this reality. But yeah, I, it's almost on the cusp of like, I don't know the time masters hope I can enjoy this. Cause that's what Jeff Jones does. Like he, he goes to the cusp of the reality that we love. Like, ju- you know, like he's going to write a great JSA story, but me, your average mainstream DC fan doesn't really know JSA. So like, you know, I like he's the, that great. 
I like the Time Masters pretty well when I when when they're done concisely. I think my favorite Time Masters stuff has always been like one issue time paradox things. Mm-hmm. Um, with usually with Booster Gold because uh, Rip Hunter is right. Booster Gold's son, right? Um, I'm looking at some Zermenico art. He's pretty good. Is Jeff it's, Jones writing it? Jeff Jones is writing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the art is not, it's Jeff Johns, Jeremy Adams, and Tim Sheridan. So Jeff Johns is probably and like Tim writing Sheridan's the Batman through line or something yeah, like we that. Don't love, but, um, okay. So the last thing, cause I do want to hear more of Roman's thoughts, but I do just want to say Django, what did you think about the change in like coloring style that happened throughout this book? I love Eduardo Rousseau, but there was two very distinct styles in here. And I was confused about sort of like the use of the watercolor art style throughout it. And then like a page later seeing the very thick defined ink line of an Eduardo Rousseau. And it's the same colorist throughout the entire book. Is it really? It, yeah. It, would, it doesn't quite make sense that they would do that. I just didn't um, know it, if it stood out to anyone else or anything. It almost felt like Eduardo Rousseau did pencils and let the colorist finish some of those pages. Cause it does have kind of a, um, a human Manipal. target kind of look to me, like, yeah, like yeah. almost charcoal-y. Yeah. Yep. Feel. Yeah. It's, it, it was weird, but I thought it looked good. It just was a little bit off putting to have it injected for no discernible reason. Yeah. Roman. It, so, yeah. Well, the day I couldn't tell, did they do that? Because just to show the differences, I guess the difference between um, our regular Bruce Wayne Batman pages and then the Thomas Wayne Batman pages. It jumps between those two coloring styles within the Thomas Wayne universe. Oh, it does, yeah. Yeah, which, like, you just, like, the big gorgeous one-shot of him having slammed that tube-faced guy into the wall is, you know, is, that's pretty watercolory. And, like, the, the first couple pages of him waking up are all real hard lines. Yeah, and it bounces all over throughout the issue. But, I, but Roman, I, I agree. I, th- I kept wondering, is there some undercurrent and thing that's indicative of the the narrative chain between those two colorist styles indicative no i like i like no i like that that subtle pun undercurrent because you know it's it's an assassin from atlantis Mm, Mm. that i hate you bud i gave this a nine (laughs) when did go uh i i really i really liked this i gave it a nine like i love i think jeff johns writes i i just can't find jeff johns written things where it feels like even when he's very wordy that it's too wordy or poorly done he makes me care about every one of his words. He makes me care about the characters. I think he's one of the best writers in comics currently, and he doesn't work as often as I would wish to see him. And this made me very excited for this story. I just hope that the art and storytelling works together and on this caliber throughout the entire thing. I don't like sort of being uh, dick-fisted with uh, a different artist at the beginning and then somebody else coming in. But I do know that the names are Manico, and I do I do like when it's come up. Yeah, uh, I'm going I'm to, you know, sure, nine. Nine sounds good to me. Um, a, a, a not quite totally trusting you nine. Um, that said, I guarantee I'm going to read all six issues. There's no way I'm going to pull back on this. So or pull out in classic Django fashion. Never, never. Um, I might have to. I might have to butt mine up to an eight point five or a nine because I gave it an eight, but I also read it. It was the last book I read, and I was really sleepy. Um, so I think I need to reread it. <laughs> I, I, I was curious. Did you guys read? Um, I had to look up who this guy was in the Arkham Asylum. That's how oh, lines of dialogue here. Did you and find out who he was? It's Psycho Pirate. Interesting. Which apparently has been in a lot of books lately, but he was one Tom of the main. He was one of the main guys in the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. In fact, for years he was the only character oh, yeah. that remembered all of the different realities. Oh wow! And he was inter- he, integral in Tom King's Batman run. 
Yeah, apparently he was also in Detective Comics recently too, a storyline that I didn't read. It's so weird that they keep trying to get that guy to be a, a heavy hitter because, and maybe well, it's part of his powers, I but kinda, I can never really remember him. It makes sense. I mean, I didn't know his name, but it makes sense here because, like, he's in a reality that he shouldn't be in, and he has right. the ability to influence and like influence other people's brains, and it makes sense he would be immune to having his affected. So he's stuck in this right. reality, knowing that he's not supposed to be here in the same way he remembered the other realities of crisis when mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to anymore. So I, that's a great, I forgot to look into that Roman good, good continuity catch Romans continuity catches. Um, I'm glad that we gave out all high scores and I love all three of you. And by three of you, I mean, you too. You can love yourself. It's allowed spirit that hangs over my shoulder that always tells me things. That's um, why we call you self love figly. Yep. Talking about dick fisted. Um, image 30th anniversary anthology, one of 12. Oh my God. I, <laughs> 12, you motherfuckers. I, um, I mean, on the first chapter, the first page, it says that chapter one of 12, one of 12, one of four. I know. Of 12, but I know. And I was like, well, let's see if it's any good. And then I read them and I was like, these are mostly pretty fucking good. I did not read all of them. I read the first probably six and the final one or two. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I didn't read the Brendan Fletcher, Erica Henderson, the Kyle Diggins or the Pat. No, I did read the Patrick Quinlan. So just those two. Um, I liked the presentation of this a lot. I thought the quality was high. None of them were over the moon. Amazing. But some of them were quite good. I was interested in all of the ones that I read. And I thought that they were appropriately length. Like, yeah. I don't know that I would buy the second issue of any of these series but I would buy the second issue of this anthology and be happy to be reminded that I'm reading the second chapter in all of these, if that makes sense. It's a lot of pages for six bucks. And a lot of the pages are really well done. Like the the only ones that I didn't really dig too much, I didn't love the Merca Andolfo uh, and the Kyle Higgins one didn't do much for me. Those are the two um, I skipped. Yeah, those, those, those two are worth skipping, I think. Um, but the rest of it is like, it's just good good comicking that that first one the jeff johns and andrea muti is holy shit good like super dark sad drama and the action in that uh, in the the old dog the drop the declan shalvey one dang dude that that first one the jeff johns andrea muti one so that's the artist from maniac of new york who we all mm-hmm. really really like their art in this jeff and johns. bunny rabbit or bunny mask sweet yeah 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 and uh and i thought this one was great and it just sort of made me think about like jeff johns thinks about vengeance a lot like that man thinks about vengeance a Who lot. Who doesn't? Yeah, but like this is all why of Roman stories, has a team of lawyers. I'm just like, you know, it's either Batman or Superman or like, you know, get your Geiger or this guy. Like people being, you know, it's he's a superhero fan, so so much of his fiction right. comes back to the idea of correcting a wrong. I feel like, but it really hit me in this as like, man, I'm reading two Jeff Johns books this week, which is awesome because I don't get to read enough of his stuff. And, but like he's you know he thinks for a guy that seems so nice and well-mannered his stuff is very preoccupied with vengeance which is and i have no problem with it all but it just seems like i, I realize the undercurrent and a lot of his stuff there not a pun yeah. for flashpoint um but i really liked that first one that was easily my first favorite story in here and then my second favorite was the kind of romancy one by creators i had never known um wyatt kennedy and luana vecchio the gospel for a new century luana like vecchio is doing the bolero Oh, okay. Well, that makes total sense because I love yeah. the art in that. And I like the art in this a lot. 
Uh, It's very palatable and fun and cute, but sexy as well. And it took this Mm -hmm. kind of very strange turn at the end. That's great. Great uh, pull, Django. I didn't realize that. I'm Um, I'm current with Bolero somehow. I've, I've really been digging it. Yeah, I, I really want to read that book. Or I, I only read the first issue. I need to catch up. But those two were very high for me. Um, but again, the feeling I had with every one of them was that they were perfectly paced. They're like eight pages, nine pages each, just enough to like maybe be like, oh, this one. Mm-hmm. And then end and be like, I, I, I never spent too much time in a story that I then I wanted to be there, which is, a, I think, a really, really great bit of storytelling because I think first issues can be tricky. Like I didn't love the Declan Shelby one. If it had been much longer, I wouldn't want more of it, but this is enough that like, if I get another eight pages, I'll read more. He just does action so well. He's a gorgeous artist. Yeah. Did you, did you read red stitches? The Brendan Fletcher one? It's just a, I, a few pages. No, long. no, sorry. I read the, the black and white one and the final page one. No. Okay. The, the, uh, Brendan Henderson? Fletcher and Erica Henderson, yeah. that was hard to follow at first. And it's only like three pages long. Uh, but the cliffhanger that they have is is pretty awesome. Like, yeah, it's it's just a really a really interesting setup. I'm I'm ready to You're read. Right. The it's next only one. four pages. I will read that one. Yeah. It's, sometimes small bites are the thing that I need. I don't need forty or fifty pages. But what, you uh, think, Roman, Roman? what was your think on this? Yeah, what was your think on this? Yeah. I forgot to bring one home. You horny right dog. On, Jeff Johns and Andrea Muti doing a nine-page story that's one of 12. So Maniac of New York, Jeff Johns, cold. He makes you think about a good person who's been forced to do shitty things in mm-hmm. a world that is morally gray now. And it's just like, it's not Geiger. It's very different, but it's almost morally, like it's emotionally similar. Similar. I think you'd really, I think you're really good. I, I'm, I'm very curious to read that because I did, open it and saw those creators and i was like oh man i i really want to read at least this one but the whole one of 12 i saw that and i was like ah i don't know <laughs> i kind of love the idea of nine pages 12 times a year you know like it's that. a weird it's a weird sell though the one that disappointed me was seeing that the uh west craig one is a preview part one of four i was like oh. that feels yeah. disingenuous for what the rest of and this wasn't wasn't very good even though i love his art <laughs> Yeah, his art, his he's art's a, great, but the he's story, a better writer. Yeah. He's a better artist than he is a writer for sure. I mean, also it's five pages. Yep, it's totally possible that the next five pages are going to turn yeah. and and give us more than just this little vignette. Well, Django, then what did you give this whole package? How the hell you, do you what score do you give this, this whole Steve package? Weaver? Like, I know it's it's hard because it's instead of just being one thing, it's I think the package when I'm thinking about the value and the art and how good it looks and like this mm-hmm. minimalist art deco style and the, like the previous next cover and like the stories in it. I want to say nine, even though I don't think any story in it was over an 8.5 or a nine for me. But in terms of the value and the I'm excited to be a part of the next chapter of all of the stories in that that I read. Yeah. And there's no I, part of me that's like, oh, that's going to be a laborious thing to get through. So this has this has a couple of twos for me that I stopped like a six page story that I can't get through. Bummer, <laughs> dude. Um, so it's got some it's got like two of those and the rest of them. I don't think anything dropped below an eight. I'd give that first one, the blizzard. I'd give I might give that a 10 just for the just for the setup. I'm going to give this whole thing a nine. And I it, this is a weird thing to try to sell people. Because it feels like, oh, hey, check this thing out. We're going to hook you for an expensive comic every month. But I think that anybody who's interested in just good storytelling would be missing out, not picking these up. Um, Roman, you are current on Maniac of New York, right? Yes. Um, have you seen that? That artist did. What else did they do besides Maniac of New York? Bunny Mask. 
Yeah, okay. Bunny Mask. And, and that's I, it? I, well, I know I've seen their name on other things before Bunny Mask. If you think really hard about it, uh, would you be able to give me 90 seconds of a buckshot go? Ah, do Lieber. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just going to do Marvel for my buckshots. Captain Carter, number two. I'm still enjoying this series. Uh, there's a bunch in here I need to Google because uh, Captain Carter has been, you know, reawakened and the British government has told her all sorts of stuff and a new friend is telling her there's all sorts of stuff the British government has done that's really crappy in their history, just like American government does. And it sounds like it's all real things, so I'm really curious to look that up. Eternals number 11, that was fun just because the cover is Captain America versus Kingo, and I love Kingo. It's so cheesy, eternal samurai dude and fighting cap. X-Men number 10, I jeez, I read this like yesterday and I already don't remember anything about it. Um, read Star Wars Darth Vader, number 22, and Star Wars, just regular Star Wars, number 22. Both are pretty good, you know, Star Wars a little better. It's got Chewie on the cover fighting, fighting people and, and he's trying to get revenge and rescue Han and all this great Chewie stuff. Uh, God, are those the only Marvel books I read this week? There must be more Marvel <laughs> books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read Miles Morales Spider-Man and what if Miles Morales became Wolverine and you know they were all right <laughs> <laughs> that's all the Marvel books I read this week ah, I got more time okay uh the Eternals versus Captain America versus Kingo oh man Thanos has taken things over the Eternals are fighting the Avengers now oh. you don't you <laughs> 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 could have just talked about Wayne Jeturgid this week who Turgid what made you Turgid oh oh I thought you said detergent. Horn. Oh, um, you, you want scores on this stuff? I sure do. You um, let's see. What order did I do these in? Where's Captain Carter? Captain Carter. Captain Carter, I gave an eight. Eternals, I gave an also an eight. X-Men, I gave a... What the heck? Can't read my writing. I gave a 7.8. Just because I wanted to be like Django and do a weird de- de- decimal. Oh, you're so wacky. <laughs> Star Wars, I gave a 7.5. And Darth Vader, I gave a 7. Oh, and Miles wow. Morales, I gave a 7.5. And what if Miles Morales, I gave a 7. He's got a cool costume in that what if, though. Yeah, he does. He does. He does. That is he a does. cool Miles costume. Way yeah. better than his current costume, which I hate. I know. Give him back his original Miles <laughs> costume. It's an amazing costume. That, yeah, um, that was a great costume. I want to talk about Sandman Universe Nightmare Country because I read it because I was I two of my best friends are people that I knew were going to read this book. Uh, it's written. Uh, you Who know what? That? what the two of you. Oh. <laughs> um, I got uh, two, four, six. I got six pages into this and I was like, this is pretty good. And I got to the credits page and I saw it was written by Jimmy TIB. And I literally said out loud, <laughs> fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> I did. I said, I said out loud alone in my house. Fuck you. Like I just, I didn't look at it. I didn't look at the writer. I just like, oh, this is the guy with the teeth in his eyes. The Jenga really likes when read it. Six pages, and I was like, this isn't bad. And then I got to the credits, like, fuck <clears throat> you. And fuck you, man. Fuck this you. Feels, this feels good like Nice House on the Lake to me. Mm-hmm. Like, very, I think he's great at character work. Um, yep, I Just, agree. like, hanging out with these these sort of millennials and watching yeah. them interact with people. I think he's excellent at that. I think he's pretty good at horror-y stuff, too. You know, like, the the little kid eating his fingers with his eyeballs made out of teeth was horrific and that poor old man that that kid grows up to be like that's 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 some good writing um i just hate liking him so much because he <laughs> pooed all over my tom king batman 
with his poo. And I've talked to multiple people who have met him in real life, and he sounds like a dick. Is oh, I, have, I don't even thing. have that part. Oh, our Colette has a good story for him. But um, I, I, Jen, you're absolutely right. I think that he is very great at writing the social and sexual lives of millennials. Mm-hmm. And I love reading that. I do. Like, I love reading that. And I think he's very good at writing it. Uh, so I really liked that in here. I'll probably read the next one of these. He did. He made some characters I really like. I think, you know, almost begrudgingly, I, you know, I, I totally agree with Django. And then, and then, yeah, his horror stuff is pretty cool too. Like there's a lurking figure in here that I really liked. Um, I just, I honestly think that he suffers when he needs to dig into continuity to write a story to relate to continuity because I don't think it I think it doesn't fit well as a modern continuity story and I don't think it's appropriately doing deference to the stories behind it like it's just Mm -hmm. like we've got these characters here that I know are Sandman characters that other people know but I don't know them and I I, his new stuff is great but the stuff that harkens back to the universe I don't think is great and that's sort of how I feel about his DC you know superhero stuff as well but I'm curious what Roman thought I actually but again the grounding, like the building blocks of Sandman universe stuff is really interesting to me. And I've never read all of Sandman, but you know, like Dream and those ideas uh, are very it's cool. A, so it the, the the world of Sandman is a really interesting mix of very grounded things and then super dreamy things that I normally have a hard time with. But mm-hmm. the original story did a good job of grounding even like the floating oversized things and the dreaming and all the absurdity that happens in there. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I don't know that I've ever enjoyed someone other than Neil Gaiman writing that. Roman, what, do, what do you think about this? Because you read all of The Dreaming just recently, which I think was maybe finished by G. Willow Wilson, but I can't quite remember. Yeah, I don't remember who finished that. Yeah, and I really like that series. Um, Django, you say, and uh, other than Neil Neil Gaiman, I tend to, that's how I felt too, until I, until I think it was Simon Spurrier, his mm-hmm. Dreaming stuff. And I really like his stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue... Boy, I was going to say my favorite parts are the Yannick Paquette, Paquette um, drawn pages, but there are things I really like in the rest of the issue, too. Um, I like he, he introduced some new characters that who knows if the last in the Sandman mythos, but this Mr. Agony and Mr. Ecstasy. Oh, those are new characters? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought they were old characters that I wasn't giving enough. I thought that was poor writing on his part, but I was wrong. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I think they're brand. I'm pretty sure they're brand new characters, and and Shit. they they seem pretty. Inter- they seem to be some interesting ideas going on there. I'm curious. Well, of, okay, to to jump in off that and just like kind of combine it with Django said, like that's a great instance of like the new characters with no superpowers that are just regular humans in this. He did a great job of writing and making me care a lot about. But that agony and ecstasy, like I liked them, but they fell into this weird spot where like they weren't developed enough as individuals to make me think that they were new characters. But then they they felt like old characters that I was, they were just being poorly represented. So I was just like, Oh, here's a guy I don't know. And it's not being clearly written enough. Anyway, that, that was just a, I liked those characters, but I didn't feel like I was being done a service by them being introduced through this. So I had to assume that they were old characters, but hearing that is oh, interesting. Cool. That's it. That's interesting. Cause like who, I, I assume the person that might be our antagonist, our human antagonist for the series, um, the 20 year old woman, the artist that's mm-hmm. introduced mm-hmm. so far. I mean, I don't care about her. She could not be in the issue. And I wouldn't care, mm. but I really, <laughs> but yeah, I have the opposite thing where I really like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the weird characters and the Corinthian is always just an interesting, horrible character. I mean, I mean, basically a, a dream, the original dream created him to uh, kind of be an assassin is the wrong word. Is, is he nightmare? Right? Like he, is he the idea? He's a of serial this? killer, serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a nightmare. Yeah. 
He's, yeah, he's he's kind of like the avatar for serial killers, but also he goes and kills them. Okay, let's have a Sandman episode one day when I try to finally read it and you guys convince me to read it or something. <laughs> what were I your wonder- scores for that? If if I'm not cutting you off, Roman, sorry. Oh, I'm just wondering if there's a, because it's the boat, I'm wondering if the name of the boat, it's Maxwell, and I'm wondering if that's a clue to something that I'm not getting. Maxwell They, they, they just kind of feature it a couple times. I'm like, oh, is that a clue to who this great big smiling fat Jabba the Hut type crossed with Corinthian character is? Maxwell is the name of the guy who's been stabbed all over the dock. Oh, that's just his Mis- name? Mr. Maxwell has clung for days to the wretched delusion that he could run. Oh, okay. Who the fuck names a boat after themselves? It's got to be a dumb pun. Come on, guys. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I never yeah. got a boat and named it TSS Jeffy. <laughs> I'm going to get a boat and name it Effin and Jeffin. I didn't Best do that crap. either. <laughs> um, what, what were your scores on this one, boys? I I would give it an eight and a half. And I would, I would like to hear if Roman, like Jeff has already said what it's called. Jeff says it's Nightmare Country. In my head, I read it as Nightmare Country. What do you think, Roman? Didn't you just say the same two things? Was the stress on the nightmare or is it on the country, though? I thought the stress was Oh, wow. Was on... I love your question, dude. <laughs> I thought the stress was on Sandman Universe. Um... <laughs> and I put it on country? Yeah, you, no, you put it on nightmare. You said nightmare, nightmare country. country. Nightmare country. Um, I gave it an eight. I like that. Um, yeah. And then I gave it a 8.5. Nice. Yeah. I uh, liked it quite a bit. So can I can I point something out? Please. Sandman Volume Three is called Dream Country. Mm-hmm. So this is a reference to the Sandman Volume. I think mm. that's probably when the Corinthian appears. Mm. But just having does him the art in that off, offhand in the Dream Country, yeah. I feel like it was Steve Dringberg. Mm. Um, the reason that I would do that is because on the cover he's wearing that mask, a COVID mask with an American flag. Yeah. So I think I think that it's going to be kind of a study of uh, evil in America. I love it. I I have started a lot of Sandman series and never finished any of them. So, um, guys, I just want to talk selfishly for a second about X Men ninety two House of X C I I. If one of you wants to look up what that Roman numeral is, it's probably ninety two. And if one of you wants to tell me if you read this book, that would be awesome. Am it was ninety two. I did not read it, Roman. Yeah, it's ninety two, and I didn't read it. Okay, cool. Well, this is what <laughs> I think favorite is numerals, Roman. Really impressive from this on a craft standpoint is they basically took the entire House of X Powers of 10 miniseries and put it in a blender with the X-Men 90s TV show. No, that's not even right. They they took that whole story and repurposed it to fit the 90s storyline. So the five that reincarnate people are not the none of those characters, are the same characters. They totally repurposed them with characters that were in the 90s cartoon show. Hmm. Um, Moira, who had 10 lives that caused everything. That's Jubilee in this one. Um, Orcus exists like but it's the it beat for beat. And not in the same order, but it is the same thing as House and Powers of Ten. Like the X-Men 90s crew goes to the Orcus station outside and they the sun and they died trying to destroy this thing. And it's Nimrod. But but Roman, it's House and Powers retold with the voice of the characters that you like. Like Beast is a good guy. And he's out here saying shit like and he's funny. Though, as though Hemingway said, never think that war, no matter how necessary, nor how justified, is not a crime. Like that, and the way that he did the <laughs> 90s series, like Cyclops is in his 90s outfit. We all know the way that the Orcus floating head looked in House and Powers of Ten, but in this, they have it like actually looking like the 90s cartoon floating. <laughs> like they, they top to bottom repurpose that entire storyline for the 90s cartoon. 
in a way that I can't even give justice to just talking about verbally. Like it is, they reimagine the entire thing and still make the same thing happen. Like Krakoa is a little bit suspicious and maybe Professor X is a little bit shady, but like it's told without having changed anyone's morality or character structure, which I didn't have a problem with in House and Powers, but lots of people did. And the fact that they like, so effectively retold this whole story and just like replaced metaphorical equivalences with a thing that fits for you know a time frame 20 earlier years earlier really really incredible and then the voices of the cartoon show there was that x-men 90s miniseries that came out during i think secret wars when hickman was doing secret wars so that's probably like six years ago and then it went on for a while and it just didn't feel good it was basically felt like the equivalent of what x-men legacy now is which is like let's tell 80s and 90s x-men stories but what this did is it was very keenly aware of what characters and tone of story was being told in this really important x-men's thing to people like the thing that made me love x-men was that cartoon show not the comics i think there's a lot of people like me so the fact that this is able to bridge this gap between i think the most exciting storyline of x-men in the last 20 years and the tone of x-men that has excited me and made me the most fond of x-men in the last 30 years is a really awesome marriage. And then if you can combine that with the fact that Hickman is now gone from the X-Men stuff, and now it's just like kind of Duggan's X-Men, which is fine, um, but it's not super exciting to me, and I don't really love reading it. I'm very excited to see what they do with this miniseries, or ongoing, ideally, with this time frame. You know, it's these characters, but put in the world of Krakoa. So there is both equal parts innocent Saturday morning cartoon to it, and then the really morally ambiguous adult X-Men, X-Men stuff that Hickman was doing. So... Really, really awesome. Very, very good. I give it a nine tied for my highest score of the week. There was these crazy pages of like double page spreads of just like radical 90s cartoon (laughs) X-Men stuff. And it was like, I used to be subscribed to the Nickelodeon magazine and it was stuff like double page spreads with gene jokes. What did Cyclops say to Mr. Sinister when the former villain can move to Krakoa? I've got an eye on you. Or what feature did Aurora Monroe request on her Krakoan habitat? Storm doors. (laughs) <laughs> or like, then like weird, like get to know the five or like, did you know, like it feels like a Nickelodeon magazine from the nineties. So it is both a, a well done storytelling thing, a great looking thing. And then also there's a meta meta thing where if you're like a, if you're like born in the late eighties, early nineties, um, I think that you'll really like this. So I give it a nine. I loved it. Uh, I'm excited to read more of it, which is a very strange thing for me to say about an X-Men book of this nature. So that, that's what I've got. Nice. Um, did you feel like you were watching the cartoon? Did I feel like I was watching the cartoon? No, I felt like I was I was watching the adult cartoon. The like like the porny one. Yeah, well, I listen, there is a pretty famous porn thing out there that I have saved on my computer that's called like X-Men something, but it's like a just an adult X-Men porn thing. But there's a very graphic scene of um Colossus and Rogue having sex, but like X-Men. Anyway, I have it. If anyone wants it, let me know. It's really well do. done art for a very adult X-Men porn book um, <laughs> that I had to find in Torrent when I was in high school. And I've made sure to save it for all of these years. Torrent. Uh, a porn int. Um, all right. Our final book of the evening afternoon is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 10, Tom Taylor. I feel like this is a bad one all of a sudden because I remember that Django is not reading this book or Tom Taylor's Nightwing book. Man, Tom Taylor, <laughs> you can just be my theoretical favorite writer. You're just the satisfied. guy that got everyone to get into it <laughs> and then you don't read his books, which is just the craziest decision. So Roman, did you ne- read Son of Kal-El? Neither of them 10? maybe want to. 
Yeah, I, I, well, Nightwing's amazing, but this one's not great. Roman, did yeah. you read this? I did, I did. Yes. What'd you think about it? That's a little bit of a come down from the last issue, or maybe the issue before that, where they had a guest artist who I think has been the best artist on the series so far. Is that the one that he was tied up with Nightwing with? Bruno uh, Redondo? Maybe, it, I think it was, yeah. That same artist did the two-part story between Nightwing, Superman crossover. So yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah he's, he's easily the best artist on this fucking series. Yeah, yeah, and this issue, I mean... It does have an important plot develop, development um, toward the end. The rest of we're the issue. Story, is like, we're, we're spoiler boys. You can spoil yeah, it. Yeah. Th- I mean, the rest of the issue, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a decent, decent enough issue. Spoil me. I only live through the, I live this book through your words, Roman. Well, I think that Roman was the first person to suggest it to me. Was I? But in the Superman Son of Kal-El book, like it was a big deal. Like Superman's gay and he's got a boyfriend now. And I do remember complaining about it with Roman, not that he's gay, because we're very, very pro that. Yep. Um, but but there, like the character was developed poorly. It was written yeah. only mediocrely, and it happened in a, at a rate that didn't make sense. So mm-hmm. I think Roman was the first one to say, like, I don't believe that this is happening naturally. I think this is happening for a reason, and I bet he's going to be a bad guy. So somebody was the outside input yeah. for me thinking he was a bad guy. And I think it was a Roman. So like, yeah. it's like, ah, and, and I immediately agreed like months ago. Cause it's just like, yeah, like it's too easy for him to have had a new relationship without that character having any development. And the character yeah. had no development. And now, now Batman shows up and it's like, you can't hang out with him. We got to, everyone's got to go. You cannot yeah. trust yeah. that guy. Don't trust him. He's a bad. Oh, comes- oh, but we don't know who it is. It's his boyfriend, but, yeah. well, but, but we don't, my, my theory and this is just from like very casually flipping through the book is that he's related to Bendix. Mm-hmm. It seems like that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that, that, that's been my guess since like, and Bendix is a Wildstorm character, right? Yeah. Wildstorm character. He was one of the main guys or one of the main antagonists in the recent Grant Morrison run. The, the, the Garth Superman, the authority. Mm. Oh, was in it? Was he the bald guy in the Garth Ennis one that had the space things and, uh yeah he's got like a thing coming over his eye i i don't know much about him but i think he's bald but yeah it seems like this kid is maybe this so and and even to project it outwards further yeah probably this kid is the son of a bad guy and but the kid Mm. has been repenting from that by spreading the truth quote unquote and now he's the boyfriend of superman and yes batman doesn't trust him because he's the son of a bad guy but he's repenting from the bat like I don't know. The whole thing is just a little bit too, like the whole thing is just a little bit makes you feel like you can see one step ahead of it. And it feels transparent. Yeah. It's all a little too, too pat to use an old phrase. Mm -hmm. He's the old man in the, the wild storm, the dude, the old dude on the space station. Yeah, exactly. And he does this the whole time with his fingers. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing these old fingers by his hand. Yeah. So that, that was Bendix. You know, it, it's fun. I love Batman. I love the thing that Lois does here to like fake a golden lasso thing with Luther when he leaves. And mm, that was cool. Yeah, it's it's good, but it seems like a bummer to like Superman gets a girlfriend and it's Lois and it lasts 80 years. And John <laughs> Kent gets a boyfriend and it's probably a bad guy within a year. That's within something feels bad within about that half a year and that's the thing and and maybe maybe tom king's gonna flip us on and you all thought that but he's actually not a bad guy he's the son of a bad guy and y'all are prejudices and and <laughs> but like it's it i love the idea of naturally bringing that in there and i hate to feel like a weird you know like a shitty dude just like make it happen naturally but it just felt like this whole thing with him specifically was very contrived 
um and all for all for boy love all for all love but you know that i I don't know i I, as a self-righteous comic you know greater i just like (laughs) do it better like make me actually love the person before like you know like make me care about the relationship they did not make us care about this relationship at all yeah it it was all very contrived and it's and it's unfortunate because you know if you want us to and a lot of us already do care about john kent is superman but you know it's his first it's his first relationship because you know he jor-el kidnapped grandpa jorah kidnapped him and he's like been skipped over like or aged four or five years off planet and now it's his first relationship and and this is what you're gonna do to him (laughs) like give us a leonard lang if you will i will say though um the relationship is not poorly or not not uh super well explored in this series so far but there was the really great moment of him coming out to his mom, like Lois in this. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to talk about, like talk to somebody, you know, who's come out to their parent about it and, and, and see what they think. But her response was just like, yeah, I suspect it. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. She's the best detective that there is out there. I don't know if that's exactly the response that like someone in that position would want. Um, but it seemed like a really right. good one to me. I, I, I do, you know, obviously I don't know, but um, cause my mom knows I'm just a weird water otter boy. Um, she's always <laughs> known that, but, but yeah, I, I like that scene quite a bit, but I don't know. The relationship itself just is, is not believable, not respectable. and doesn't not, not, not respectable, but like, it's just like, you know, they didn't, I don't know. Like, show, yeah, there's heteronormative relationships like Dick and Barbara that I love because they've gone through these trials and tribulations together outside of the relationship to build their love for one another. This one, they haven't, they're just like, Oh, let's hang out. Oh, let's, let's kiss. All right, cool. Now we're buddy. Like it's uh, yeah. it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel organic. And so far, at least for me, I haven't seen anything and I can't remember his boyfriend's the character's name but i haven't yeah. seen anything of that character that that makes me want to like him or yeah. that's very yeah. very interesting about uh, like him. other than his haircut he's not a very he's not even he that doesn't bud. seem very so okay i haven't been reading it but a couple things to consider mm-hmm. we all read a lot of stories mm-hmm. and kind of can kind of see through the bones mm-hmm. i would say maybe it's not as bad as it feels if you're just reading a handful of comics mm-hmm. because tom taylor is a really good writer just in general. And I would think that he would not do something heavy handed without uh, a reason or like a, like a twist on a twist. Also, maybe it's an editorial thing. You know, maybe he, maybe he had an idea and they said, okay, we got to hustle this along because six G is coming or, you know, whatever the hell they're they're They have planned. Um, they're going to de-age John and bring Superman back from space or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. But I, it, it from everything that you guys are saying and everything that I felt when I was first reading the story, it, it seems not as good as I would expect from Tom Taylor. So I wonder if there's more going on. My personal feeling is, is similar with that, but I just think that he's a writer that works really, really well, just below the surface. And Mm -hmm. I think this Superman book is the highest profile book he's doing. I think Nightwing is a better success financially and from a comic store perspective. Like I bet that sells more than this book does. But from a sales profile perspective, I think that this is his highest profile book he's doing. Um, And it seems like, yeah, when you're doing a high profile book, you've got editorial oversight, you've got uh, pushes for timeframes. And um, I... I think there's a little less freedom to be able to explore things at the pace nowadays that I think that need to be explored at. So I feel like maybe if this book, if they had done in six issues, maybe if they had done in 12 issues, what they did in six issues, we'd be seeing something that we like a little bit more mm-hmm. like in a deceased style story. Um, well, that's, that's the other thing. He's, 
he doesn't have a whole lot of experience with in continuity stuff, right. which is full of editorial mandates right. and and like story reversals that that come down from above. So yeah. who knows? Like I, I would be really curious how he would write this in the Injustice universe or in the deceased universe. Yeah, I mean you know, you can do a little bit more in those situations because you don't need to justify it as much. Right. And it can because be permanent like, is, for that alternate right, version it's out of, the of continuity. So you don't have to put as much work into justifying it. Mm-hmm. And then here it's like, Oh, this is continuity. You got to just be like, well, I, I don't usually do that. Like, yeah. I usually just sort of do a thing, you know, and you go anyway. Um, I, I gave this issue uh, an 8.0. I like the series. Okay. I think it's his worst book coming out, but it's still his worst book is an 8.0. That's pretty dang good. Good job, um, buddy. Who do you uh, think you are, Jeff Lemire? You know, I like combining social issues in my comic books, but I want it to be well done. And I don't think there's been enough groundwork laid for any of these characters to make me really feel for him or his boyfriend or, you know, obviously Lois I care about, but it's just, uh, you know, there's not a lot of groundwork. that there was. They were pushing it forward before laying the groundwork, and I think that makes for a top-heavy ship. So I give it an eight. I give it a seven point five. That's some pretty good scores for a book that uh, sounded like nobody liked. No, I mean we like <laughs> we. I liked it. I liked it, but it's yeah, just clearly. Like, I like I like the skeleton of the series. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And like, there's scenes in it that Tom Taylor can just write scenes that are great. Like all the stuff between John and his mom are fantastic, and you know, I like the way that they make them doubt his boyfriend like the way that batman talks to him um yeah and i like the way that he write that taylor writes um every time there's a scene between john kent and lex luther they're always good because it's just cool seeing how superman's son mm-hmm. interacts with luther so differently from point. his father hmm. and then the baggage of i'm this guy's son and you're my dad's nemesis but also hmm. as an adult i need to create my own representation for who you are so like, yeah that, that you're right roman that's actually a really good point um well buddies that kind of does it for season four episode three of the comics place presents hanging out with comics comics bros chilling with books uh comics the comics cadre um it's just comics place presents right yeah you can send us those emails to jeff at the comicsplace.com they'll get to me we were doing uh a very exciting competition for everyone who wrote an email in for a month-long period got entered to get no you all just got a free comic number one you all got a number one um and we just haven't decided what that book is yet we're going to try and decide something that we think is exciting and we're going to fucking make sure all of you guys get it. And you think they've read Nightmare Country? No, we're going to do a good one. We're going to do a <laughs> fucking good one. And if you wrote an email in and you already bought it, we're going to give it to you for free. Um, so thank you for writing those emails and you're going to get a free comic. But we want to make sure it's a book that actually is worth some, you know, worth reading. So we're going to decide that on a Tuesday. Um, but we're really grateful for hanging out with us. But please send me an email at Jeff at the If you do that regularly, who knows? You're just going to get up on the comics place podcast like Will Elmer did. I want to throw out a big thank you to Andrew Carlson for editing the podcast for us. I send it out to him. He sends it back to me and we get it up on the website. It's awesome. Uh, it saves me some time and some, uh, liquor juice i don't know i I don't use that that's just the word that came to mind Um, i I wish that people could see us right now because roman's doing he's just doing a stevie wonder thing with his head he is yeah i can't do that my neck is not flexible enough to be able to do that right now (laughs) no you look like a plank of wood trying to be stevie wonder (laughs) i do yeah um well uh send us those emails jeff at the comicsplace.com you can also do it in a voicemail and we will see you all next week for episode 267 or season four episode four can't wait 
Love you all. Uh, Jeff signing out. Roman, engage. I'm Django. And I was wondering. Yes. Jeff, you got a buckshot? <laughs> Town Called Terror, number one, by Steve <laughs> Niles and Simon Kadronsky. I like Simon Kadronsky's art. Who? I, there is a, this is mostly silent. They do do an iPod, like, listen to this song while you're doing this thing. I did that. I put mm-hmm. my iPod, I listened to this song for the entire episode. Uh, this is this was the not a great issue. This was mostly silent, which I do like, but the art was so zoomed in. It was kind of like that Simone de Mayo, we only find them when they're dead art style, which I don't love super ton because there's no atmosphere. You don't really understand where things are happening or why things are happening. They're just zoomed in and happening. So I didn't love this issue. I gave it a pretty low score. I gave it a 6.0 because I'm not going to waste so much time after this is done with scores. But I did read Naomi season two, issue two of six, Bendis Walker Campbell. Love this book. Love the way it feels. I love that this exists. I think that there was a bunch of people who probably read this book for a while because she was in Justice League. I'm sorry, not this book. She was in Justice League and other things for a while. But I like that she did a six or 12 issue miniseries originally and actually got this six issue limited series and she's answering all these questions. It's a character that I got to see be born in the DC universe, um, grow through the DC universe. I love it. I love the art. And there's a real personal feeling that I just, I know this character and I know her family. I really like that. It's a very comfortable thing. I don't really know how to describe it. It's like, uh, it's like reading an old comfortable X-Men or Batman book that you've been reading for <laughs> years, even if you haven't been. And I've only been reading this for like, I don't know, maybe six, maybe eight, maybe 24. I don't know. Issues. It's great. I love her. Love the writer. <clears throat> and I love, I love it. I love Jamal Campbell and I love uh, Bendis. And we're going to go out on a high Bendis note there. I gave uh, a town called Terror a 6.0 and I gave this book naomi an 8.5 i love it naomi hug me while we fall asleep together are you are you curious to watch the show or are you afraid that might ruin like color i just don't the, the the comic i just don't feel like any comic book show is related to a comic book at all mm-hmm. like i just i want to watch moon Knight and i'm gonna but none of these shows feel like they're related at all to me to the comic books so i, I i'm interested to to watch moon Knight, but not naomi like the cw shows are so different um like yeah. i liked the flash show but no i, I i'm not i uh got no interest in it at all yeah. i don't really have any interest in any of the tv shows of comic books frankly in fact oh. if bob dylan didn't have a song in the first two episodes of moon Knight, jeff might have <laughs> let it just slip right on he's by. in both of those episodes yeah both of the first the the first note that you hear in the show is bob dylan and the second episode, are they the second episode's got some. I don't know if you know him or not. the The it, second episode took me a minute to to realize it was Bob. What's the first one? I can't remember. And then he shows up as as like the ago, villain. Man. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Robert in the third villain. Episode. Robert <laughs> de villain. He's uh, Cruella's cousin. Villain Cruella de there. villain. <laughs> Cruella. Robert and Cruella de villain. Um. Yeah, that was stupid. We'll Good see night, everybody. Week. I'm Django. I'm Jim. <laughs> I'm Roman. Bye.